Happy New Year! So good to be back together, isn't it? Um, in, in case you're new here, my name's Steph. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, we're going to be spending some time now um, in the scriptures, in the gospel, in the gospel of Luke. Um, I wonder what's in your heart in this new year. I wonder what you've, what you, what inv- kind of invisible thing you've brought into this room today that's in your heart. What? Thanks, Co- big shout for Kofi. Nice one. Nice one. Thanks, bro. <clears throat> what have you? What have you brought in in terms of? Hopes. Who likes, who likes the new year? Who enjoys that vibe, the new year thing? Anyone? Who's, who's not fussed? Anyone? Okay, so a bit of a split. Okay. I mean, even if, even if throughout the new year you're going to essentially carry on as you were, I still think there's something about that sort of sense of blank sheet. That sense of, you know, whether it's a new journal, actually like a new journal, something new to sort of write in, something new to, that kind of feels like, you know, it's not, it's not been written on. We can, we, can, we can keep going in a fresh way or maybe even make some big adjustments in a fresh way. But what excites me talking to you guys this morning is that there's so much that we all would have brought in here that's invisible. I can't see it. I don't know what you're living with, but there is one who does. There is one who does, and um, he knows us through and through. He knows us inside out. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so I just want us to be, I don't know, mindful, I guess, of this new year as we, as we look at God's word this morning. Even if, you're, even if your general sense is, I'm going to just carry on as I am, fine. But let's still be mindful of the fact that it is, it is a new year, and time does mean something. And we have got a year laid out ahead of us. And what will God do? None of us know. None of us know. And we can tend to think we know in this part of the world because it's pretty stable. And um, although for us at the moment it's pretty unstable politically compared to what we're used to, actually compared to many parts of the world it's very stable. It's very safe. Um, and, and, and we can fall into the trap of thinking we know what's going to happen. That can happen. You can fall into... This sense of where you assume that da, 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 this is how it's going to go. Um, the Bible says you don't know what a day is going to bring. And I remember it was, a, it was, a, it was a, in this room uh, nine years ago, the first Sunday of 2010, where I felt God say to me, we used to meet here back in the day. Uh, I felt God say, preach on that verse from James. Um, come now, you who say, we'll go here now and then we'll go there next year and we'll make some money here and we'll do that. He says, you don't know what a day will bring. All such talk is arrogant and evil. And I felt that I also preach it and I, I preached it. And then uh, I think it was two or three days after that, we discovered that Davina had cancer, my wife. And it, it, was, it was one of those moments where you realised that the sermon that you preached was a sermon that was incredibly relevant. For, for us as a family and it came home with, with, with power and with force and, and, and we sort of tried to teach the church that morning if ever you're talking about the future and you start talking about yeah we're going to go there and do that say God willing and don't just say it say it and, and let it teach your heart humility every time you say it and um, you know, God is so faithful and even when you have years like that for us 2010 was the year that was even when you have years that are like that God is faithful God is good all the time and, he, and whichever way it goes, circumstantially, he remains faithful and good and he brings you through. 
And we want to declare the faithfulness of God this morning before we do anything else. Amen? And we're also praying these two weeks more than we normally do, putting more prayer in. It's, it, it, it is inconvenient to go to that many prayer meetings in a week, isn't it? That's, that's the point. <laughs> that's the point. We've realised that it's always a mistake to make prayer easy because it's a little bit like trying to make boiling water cold. I mean, it's boiling. You know, it's hot. You, you, you're, trying to, you're trying to make something something that it isn't. Prayer by its nature is sacrificial. That doesn't mean that you make it deliberately hard, but it means when you try just to constantly make it easy, you end up defeating the object. It's not about easy. It's about wanting to see God's kingdom come. It's about wanting to just go for it and, you know, and, and, and pay the price. So I would encourage us to do what we can to, to, to put ourselves out to be there um, and because it's part of what we are doing together um, as a church. Okay, let's read. We're going to read, um, we're going to read uh, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 21 to 40. <clears throat> Now, this is eight days after the birth of Jesus. So we've just spent a load of time in the Christmas story, haven't we, in December? It seems like a little while ago now we were in here singing carols. But that was, it wasn't actually that long ago. Well, this takes place eight days after the visit um, by the shepherds. And um, um, here we'll pick it up. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. Um, at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised... He was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favour of God was upon him. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive. And we just want to do our best to let your word loose and free today to do what it does in our hearts. There's so much in this scripture, Lord. I pray that you would help me to be sensitive to you, to focus on the bits that you are wanting us to emphasize today. 
I pray for all those who hear. I pray for grace to really hear. Hear in the heart. Hear what the Lord is saying. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In a moment, we're going to look at Simeon and Anna. These two remarkable individuals. But not before we take notice of the fact that they sandwiched in between Simeon and Anna is who? It's the, it's the obvious answer. It's the Sunday school answer. Jesus, you can't go wrong. Sandwiched in between them is Jesus. In the sense that we, we, we hear about Simeon and then he speaks of Jesus and then we hear about Anna. And for, for, I think it's a wonderful picture of the fact that these two remarkable individuals are orbiting around Jesus. They are, they are, they are centred around him. He is the, the centrepiece of, of what happens here. He has taken the breath away. This little eight-day-old baby has effortlessly taken the breath away of two seasoned saints. They, 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 they clasp their eyes on him and they are beside themselves with wonder and worship. And Jesus really at this point is, is, is not doing anything other than just being there as an eight-day-old baby. He, he was uh, fully human. He was a ba- just a baby, doing nothing. And yet they see him and the Holy Spirit opens their eyes to see who this is. And they are taken aback in wonder. And I want to just... just Make sure that we're straight on Jesus before we get into Simeon and Anna because it's not about Simeon and Anna, but it is about Jesus. It really is. The Bible says that it's God's will for Christ Jesus to have the supremacy in all things. And so it, the Father's desire is that it's all about Jesus. And so Simeon says some things about Jesus that I just want to draw our attention to so we understand who this is. There's so many things we could say about Jesus, but to just draw your attention to some of these things that Simeon says. This righteous and devout man to whom it had been revealed that he would not die until he'd seen the Christ. His moment comes. And there are three things I want to just draw your attention to about Jesus, just quickly, to help us understand who he is. First thing to say is this, is that this Jesus is God's salvation for all people. This Jesus is God's salvation for Gentile and for Jew alike. Now this is very important because just take a moment. Simeon was a Jewish man who, and it says that he carried in his heart the consolation of Israel. He carried his nation in his heart. His nation was under Roman occupation. His nation was going through all kinds of dire straits. He carried in his heart the consolation and the comfort of Israel. He wanted to see his nation healed. And yet when he sees Jesus, he, he makes this comment. He says, um, he says about Jesus that he will, um, he's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He understands this is more than just a national hero. This is the saviour of the world. No matter where you have come from, no matter what your background, no matter culturally who you are, no matter whether you are here today and feeling very at home because you grew up 100 metres from this building, or whether you are here and you have travelled thousands of miles to be here for work or for study or because of danger and you find yourself here and you feel to yourself, this feels nothing like home, let me tell you that Jesus is your saviour. Jesus is the one who can reach into every culture, every background, every personality type, every situation and bring salvation and bring rescue. He he is God's salvation. The way to salvation is not primarily a belief system, it's a person. 
a man called Jesus. He is God's salvation for all. And it's quite a foreign idea and it's quite a foreign thought because we would be sort of surrounded, in, particularly in our culture, with the idea that, that essentially, you know, really there's, 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 there's any number of ways to find salvation as long as it feels good for you, as long as it feels in you and that you're sincere and that it, that it works for you, um, that it's fine. And actually, uh, and, and, and there'll be images like, well, there's diff- many different paths um, to the top of the mountain. Actually, the Bible is clear. This Jesus is God's salvation. And the Bible is explicit. There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved except by this name Jesus. It's quite countercultural. It can make us stop and think, oh, okay, how, how does this work? It can, it can even be offensive if we're, if we're used to a much more pluralistic approach. But there is this stark claim where Jesus says, I am the way, not a way. I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets to the top of the mountain except through me. And that's the claim of Jesus that we have to deal with and we have to face and we need to work out. And it can be something that we stumble over or if we get through, we can find ourselves in the wide meadows of salvation and joy and new life. But he is God's salvation for all people, regardless of background, regardless of anything else. Number one. Number two, he's destined for the fall and rise of many. It's an interesting thing when you read, when you get in the scriptures, what you begin to realize is that it's not all just positive talk. We like positive talk in our, in our world, don't we? We, like, we don't like negativity. And I understand why. Who wants to be negative for the sake of it? No one would, in their right mind. But actually, when you read the Bible, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of yeses and a lot of no's. There's a lot of do's and a lot of don'ts. There's a lot of light, also a lot of darkness. There's, a lot of, there's this sense in which you realise there's a very, very real battle going on. Um, life isn't just, let's just be positive and everything will be fine. This Jesus is destined for the fall and the rise of many. Well, how does that work? Well, the Bible is clear. One of the things that God does through Jesus is bring down the proud. Those who consider themselves righteous in their own self, that somehow, well, God will, of course, God will accept me. I'm not as bad as so and so. That kind of approach, that kind of attitude that, you know, I'm good enough. The Bible says that, that, that when you come face to face with Jesus, it will be, it, it will, He will be your downfall. And that's not to say that that will be the, your, final, your final kind of position, but in order to be raised up by Him, you need sometimes to be brought down first if you've elevated yourself. He's, he, he brings down the proud. That's what God does. And he raises up the humble. If you're here today and you're at the end of yourself and you don't know which way to turn and you realise that you just haven't got it all together, then, 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 then Jesus, Jesus wants to raise you up. He wants to elevate you. He wants to come around. The Bible says that if you're a bruised reed, he won't snap you. He comes round to protect you. If you feel like a candle, that's, you, know, you think there's just a wick, but it's smouldering. You know those moments where you think, it's just about to go out. The Bible says that he doesn't snuff it out. He comes round and he, he protects it from anything that will snuff it out in order that the fire might grow again. You see, this one Jesus is destined for the fall and for the rise of many. And then the final thing that it says about him here that I want to draw your attention to, it says is that the thoughts of your, hearts will be, of your heart will be revealed. By this Jesus. One of the titles of Jesus is the Word of God. And in the book of Hebrews it says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, 
and it cuts right to cuts right into the inner man and it separates spirit from soul and joint from marrow in, in order that the, that the thoughts of the heart, the innermost thoughts of the heart will be revealed. Now again, I said earlier at the start that you, we would all have carried in hopes and things for the new year, but there's something else we all would have carried in and that is deep, the deepest thought and intention of our heart. I can't see that. But God sees right to it. What are you about? And you know, let me just be honest with you. When you come to Jesus, he helps you by his mercy and by his grace actually understand what you're about. And sometimes it's shocking. Sometimes you go, oh Lord. You know, there have been moments where I've literally gone, oh God, I'm so sorry. Because God has shown me that the, the deepest intention of my heart is for my glory. He's shown me it's for my my promotion is to be recognised. And, it, and it's painful. But you know what? You think, Lord, that's your mercy you show me that. Because it was always there anyway. But now I've seen it. And I've seen it for what it is in its ugliness. And I can turn away from it to something actually that's worthwhile. He does that. But it's in his mercy. And you know, there's something about Jesus where if you're going to come to know Jesus, I'll tell you, he'll get to the heart of you if you let him. He'll get right to the bottom of you if you let him. I was in a conversation with someone recently who's... They said, you know what, I've, I've been asking Jesus to do this and this in my life and it just nothing seems to have happened. And I asked him, why? Why, Lord? And he said, he said, uh, he said to me that you've not let me get to your heart of hearts. You know that moment where you can kind of operate on a level? But he's so deep. He's like, let's operate on the level. That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does. And so this Jesus that we're dealing with, he gets right to the heart of who we are. That he, might, that he might renew, restore, heal and save. It's no shallow thing. We've been rejoicing in the fact that this free gift today. We've been celebrating. I don't know about you, but what a wonder to be together singing these songs of grace again. You just go, ah, yes, Lord, it's so free. But boy, it's not shallow. It's not superficial, is it? It gets right to the heart of who we are. So they're centred around this Jesus. Now I want to just look at Simeon and Anna because boy, oh boy. There's nothing more inspiring than being around old people who are... St- burning bright for God is there and here we got Simeon and I think we can assume that he's old because the words he says he says um now you are letting your servant depart in peace so there's this sense of he's been hanging on to see the savior the holy spirit had revealed to him that he would see the Christ extraordinary and now the moment comes he lays eyes on him and he just knows this is him he says now you can depart in peace and so firstly just want to say I want to hold up Simeon and Anna as mighty examples of going the long haul for God and burning bright right to the end. I mean, they're just inspiring, utterly inspiring, the pair of them. They are so bright spiritually. She spends her whole time worshipping, praying, fasting. He, 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 he's led by the Holy Spirit. This man has had it revealed to him by the Spirit that he won't die until he sees the Christ. And then he finds himself in the temple at just the right time, led by the Spirit. We'll talk about that in a moment. But these guys are bright spiritually. And there is no reason why, as you get older and older in the Lord, that you should not get brighter and brighter. In fact, if you're not getting brighter and brighter spiritually, something's wrong. Because the Bible says, though our outer man decays, our inner man is being renewed day by day. Something has kicked off. When you get born again, when you give your life to Christ, when you turn away from your sin and trust in Jesus and you are born again, resurrection starts on the inside. And it's a process which means you get younger and younger on the inside to the day you die. How amazing is that? Brighter and brighter, more and more full of love, joy, peace, patience. That is the plan and purpose of God. 
Even though your body will get tighter and older, internally you get brighter and brighter. Both these people were committed to where they are. They were both committed to where they were. They both carried. They carried Israel. They carried Jerusalem in their heart. They were committed to where they were. They were able to, 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 to root in and bed down where they were. What an example that is. I want to draw out some, uh, some of the elements as to maybe why that was as we're going to get to the end of the sermon in, in about 10 minutes time. I want to draw out, well, how can they, what, what goes on? Because you see, through, through Bible study over this holiday, one of the things I've, I've seen afresh is that it all comes out of the heart. Everything that we, the, Jesus says that the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Sometimes when I find myself saying things and it comes out a bit sharp or a bit bitter, or, you know, something's going on in there for that to happen. It's an internal thing. That's just the manifestation. The choices we make, the priorities that we have, what we do with our time, with our money, with our passion. It all comes out of this incredible thing called the heart. And God loves to deal with the heart because if he can get your heart, he's got everything else that comes out. And sometimes we can just deal with the externals and we wonder why it's dissatisfying. It's because it's all about this inner fountain called the heart. Both were committed to the presence of God. Both were caught, here's one, both were caught up with living for something bigger than themselves. Now you need to say that really, really loud in our part of the world because we live in an individualistic society where self is all and it's so deadly and dissatisfying. It leaves us washed up, broken, empty. These people were caught up with something bigger than themselves. And it made them burn brighter and brighter and brighter the older that they got. Because they were released from this narcissistic uh, consumption with me and what's God going to do with me. It, they realised it's not about me. That is liberating. That's a gospel. That, when you get that, and it, it's one of those things you kind of get and then you've got to keep getting. But in that, those moments when you get that, I'll tell you what, it's like someone's opened the window and let the air in. And they go, hallelujah, I've been liberated from self. So great. So great. But here's what I want to do. I want to just focus in on each one of these, just to show you, get to the heart of what's going on here. So first, let's look at Simeon. What was it about Simeon? There's two things I want to point out. One is that he's patient. We don't know at what point God revealed to him, but it's clear that he had been living with this, so much so that when the moment comes, he says, oh, well, I'm happy to go now. Yeah, he's lit. God had put something in his heart that he was living with and it was authentic. God had revealed it to him. You won't die until you see the Christ. And he was living with it. And that was the thing, if you like, that, that, kind, of, that kind of was his engine. That was the thing that, that, that drove him forward. And, 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 but it, what it, it had something about it whereby it kept him for years. It had, a, it had the power to make him spiritually vibrant with, in, with longevity. And... Um, you know, there's something about the Lord depositing promises from Scripture and prophetically in our hearts that we live, that we live with that, that, that can enable us and energise us to keep going for the long haul. And sometimes we can be frustrated because you think, Lord, you said this to me about three years ago now and it's not happened yet. That's sometimes the mercy of God. That's sometimes God saying, I'm gonna, we're gonna, this one's going to take 33 years. Because it's going to really help to energise you in the long haul. You see, it's always for our good. God knows what he's doing. His schedule is always on time. And his priority is always making us more and more like Jesus. We think it's about the thing that he's promised. You know, it's always about Jesus and his plan to make us more like Jesus. So there's this patience. And then what I love about Simeon, he's just so spirit-led. 
He's so spirit-led. Have you noticed that he's in the temple at just the right time? How? How did he manage that? Well, it tells us. It's in the text. It says that he came to the temple in the spirit. Because he came in the spirit, he was there at just the right time, and he didn't miss this moment that his whole life had been about. And the thing I feel I just want to speak into for a few minutes is FOMO. You know FOMO? Who doesn't know what FOMO is? A few hands. Fear of missing out. FOMO. Fear of missing out. And, and it marks this generation more than it marked the generations before. And when you, have, when you have that FOMO, when you live with FOMO, you struggle to commit to something. Because it's rooted in anxiety and fear. And so you struggle to commit. You struggle to say yes. You wait till the last minute to say yes. Because what if something better comes along? Is evidence that you are not being led by the Holy Spirit. It is evidence that you are not being led by the Holy Spirit. Because you're anxious and fearful instead of trusting that God will get you at the right place at the right time. You've got to hear this. This is, I mean, look, Jesus, I don't know how long it would have taken to do this in the temple, but there's, there's a very, very small window comparatively to how long Simeon's been alive. He got there at just the right time. How comes? He was in the spirit. He was led by God. He allowed, he submitted his life and his schedule and his timetable and his priorities to the sovereignty of God. As such, he was in the right place at the right time. It's one of my favorite prayers to pray. Lord, I pray I'll be in the right place at the right time. Done that, now at peace. I haven't got a panic and this and that. Oh, if I don't go there, then that won't happen. And then, I mean, I don't know how people do it. It must be exhausting. If you live like that, it must be utterly exhausting. You're always trying to engineer and make sure this, and if I don't do that, then that won't happen. You're, you're shepherding yourself. You're actually parenting yourself. It's really sad. He cares. He cares. He can lead you. Trust him. Trust him. With God, everything's always on schedule. Everything's always on schedule. You can live from a place of peace. So, there's, so that's, that's Simeon. You want to be at the right place at the right time. Learn how, learn how to trust God. You say, well, it can sound like a cliche. It means dealing with yourself. It means when you can sense I'm being driven by restlessness, anxiety, fear, multiplied upon fear, worry about it. Stop. Get a hold of yourself. Get some scriptures that speak into this. Pray them in. Get your running partners in. Pray together about it. Say, I recognise I've moved out of a place of peace into a place of fear and anxiety. If we're going to build something really healthy and wonderful here over the years, we've got to be committed. We've got to be able to, to, to be able to sign up to things in advance. Yeah, I'm going to be there. And then when something better comes along, you realise it's not better. It might, might be shinier, but it's not better. And you let your yes be yes. I said, I'm going to be there, therefore I'm going to be there. You let your yes be yes and your no be no. We don't allow promises in our house. We don't allow people saying, I say, because if you have to say I promise, then when you, when you don't say you promise, well, what does that mean? And does that mean that your normal word is not trustworthy? So we just say, yes be yes. That's what we say in our house. Yes be yes. Let your yes be yes. I'm going to, I said, I'll be there. I'm going to be there. I'm not always holding out. Wait, look, No. You will be in the right place at the right. I know I'm labouring it. I feel like I need to labour it. Because sometimes when you speak into things that are particularly strong culturally, you've got to hammer it a bit because it's kind of powerful. It's powerful. 
So um, commend you. So many, you know, I mean, I know that there are decisions that have been made in this room from a place of faith and peace that are absolutely commendable. So this is not a telling off, but it is, it's just one of those, guys, let's remember and let's not fall into that. So there's, um, there's Simeon. Um, oh, so he's described as just and devout. You know what that word devout means? It means careful. He's kind of rigorous in his relationship with God. He, he wasn't slapdash. He wasn't negligent. He wasn't kind of, oh, yeah. no, he was, he was a careful man. He was a careful man. And I love that. You think, how, you're living, in, you're living in, 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 in a time where there's not much prophecy and vision going on. Actually, there'd been, you know, there'd been the, the, the last major sort of prophet was Malachi about 400, 450 years before. And then, you know, and then this is before John the Baptist ministry started. It's kind of, it's kind of seen as a downtime spiritually. And yet Simeon had heard from God that he's, he was, the Holy Spirit revealed to him, you're going to see the Messiah. And so there is this spiritual life going on. Even when you're in a bleak situation, in a bleak landscape, you know what, if, 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 if your heart is, is, is close to God's, you can still live in spiritual vitality. You haven't got to be in a nationwide revival to, to enjoy that. You can still, on that level, he, he's a just man. He cared about the things that mattered. Okay? He cared about righteousness. And, and, he, and he was a careful man spiritually. And God revealed things to him. The Bible says, The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. If we'll reverence the Lord, you know, he'll show us stuff. He'll show us stuff. So many things go on. I, I love hearing stories from people in church about, oh, this person had a dream about this and they told me and it's so lined up with that and then God opened the door or had a dream and it was a warning. And God speaks. Let's be listening, amen? And then finally, Anna. Don't you love Anna? What, what has struck me about Anna is this simplicity. She's in the temple the whole time. Fasting, praying, worshipping. I mean, I imagine her as tiny. Do you know what I mean? Tiny, wrinkled, because she could have been 84. There's another way. Some people say that actually um, different translations. One translation says that, that after she'd been married, probably who knows what age, I don't know, in, in, in that day, maybe 16 or something like that. She lived with her husband seven years, then he died. And then she'd been a widow for 84 years, so she could be like over 100. But imagine this old teeny little thing, doesn't eat much, fasting all the time. In the temple day and night, just there she is. There is a simplicity to that lifestyle. That I, you know, I, don't know about, I, don't know, I don't know if it's because we're in London. It's like, bang, bang, bang. You, know, but you just go, wow. Wow, look at that. And it's, it's a, what's so stunning for me about it is this. Is this is a woman, and here's the thing. The so first point was with Simeon, it's FOMO. Okay? With Anna, it's, it's, it, the, 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 the issue I want to talk into is control. She'd been married seven years and her husband had died. This is a life interrupted. This is a life interrupted. This was not the plan. Now, we don't know if it was a happy marriage or we don't know about that, but this wasn't the plan. And so either for the last, who knows, 60 or even 80 years after this life was interrupted, what does she become? Bitter? What has she become filled with spiritual disappointment, never able to trust God again? No, absolutely not. Actually, the exact opposite. She's full of vitality in life. She spots, she spots the Messiah too. She comes and starts speaking about him. She's a prophetess. She's hearing the voice of God. Brothers and sisters, so much of the pastoral things you have to help people with is that something happened that was unexpected. 
And, and, and it's, it's just human to struggle when that happens. But sometimes you realise you're dealing with something more than that. It's deeper than that. And really what it is, is this quite deep sense of, um, I'm in charge of my life and I'm going to decide how it's going to go and how God's going to bless me and what God's going to do. But we're not. We're really not. And so it's just natural and human when, when big interruptions happen to struggle. And of course you have a season where you go, wow, you're reeling. That's just being normal and being natural. But what happens next is huge because some people recoil and never seem to find their spiritual verve again because God, in quotes, let them down. Whereas when you've been released from that idea of thinking it's all about you, you realise there's something much bigger going on. And even if my life does get seriously interrupted in 2019, even if that happens, yet I will trust him. Or at least learn how to. (laughs) You might not win through straight away, but there's something where you go, God, I'm in your hands. And there's another big issue for us in this part of the world, as I referred to earlier, is this thing of control. We we assume we know what's going to happen. Um... And yet things are more precarious than we realise. Which is why deep trust in God is so profound and so important for us. I will end with the passage that I read almost nine years ago to the day and preached from. James chapter 4. And then we're going to spend some time, we're going to do a little bit of praying together as, as a response to today's sermon. Um, we wanted this part of plan A just to have a little bit of time to pray which you're going to lead us in that and, um, but let's just, let's just let, let the word of God speak about this thing in James chapter 4 verse 13 come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town spend a year there and trade and make a profit yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring what is your life For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. It's called boasting when you do that. All such boasting is evil. There is a real joy in humility, self-forgetfulness. And I'm, you know, God's taught me a few things over the years, but I feel a million miles away from where, where I want to be on this. It's always, you know, funny when I'm talking about humility, isn't it? You think, oh God, have mercy. But, but God, God in his kindness teaches us through circumstances and through life and through his word if we will, if we will, if we will let him. And I'm, ex- you know, none of this is about ha- being in the doldrums or having low expectations for 2019. I am so excited for what I hope God will do over this year. I think God's got us as a church in a great place. There's health. There's good relationships. There's, you know, there's, we, I just think we're poised for more fruit than we've ever known. I feel so, so excited about that, and I'm convinced that that is God's will for us um, personally. Just feel peaceful you know excited for what God's gonna you know unfold for myself me and Davina and you know the kids over this year so this isn't a negative in the doldrums talk at all but it's just saying within the context of that I have no idea what a day will bring and that's okay 
because it keeps me looking to him, genuinely learning how to trust him. And then when things come along that we didn't see coming, we're able to, we're able to embrace that and understand that that is not God turning against us or anything like that. It is the wisdom and the, and the mercy and the mystery of God's workings that we're able to get our heads around and understand. In it all, we will be fruitful if like Simeon and Anna, we remain orbiting around Jesus. It is all about him. Amen? Amen. So Rich, going to lead us in some prayer.